We live in a world where the real and the unreal live side by oh my side. Gosh. Where substance <laughs> is disguised as illusion, and the only explanations are unexplainable. This is what you've been doing. Can you separate truth from fantasy? For the last ten minutes. To do so, you must break through the web of your experience. Oh my gosh. And open your mind gosh. to things beyond belief. What is happening? What is this? <laughs> is this the real? Or is this the unreal? We're living in the unreal. You might call it the make-believe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Make Believe Heroes. An actual play, 5th edition Dungeons & Dragons adventure for everyone? My name is Paul. Not everyone. Unless you're 17. 17 year olds. I'm your dungeon master, and tonight I'm joined by a slew of friends. Hey guys, it's Jeremy, and I play Blaze Blackwood. I'm Jeffrey, and I play Joseph. I'm Alan, and I play Brackle. Hey, I'm Felicia, and I play Professor Margaret Cavendish, also known as Meg. Hi, I'm Zach. I play Chris. Hey, I'm Caleb, and I'll play Kellen. <laughs> hey, I'm Caleb, and I'll play Kellen. Kellen. And we're going to play some Dungeons & Dragons. Uh, we want to get to things pretty quickly tonight, but first, you read this five-star review. I, I, I enjoyed this one, okay? This one is from Sand Babies, uh, and it is entitled Dubai D&D Mom. Okay. Nice. Dubai. My D&D-crazed sons listen to your podcast on our long route to school every day. I confess that I don't understand D&D at all, but I appreciate your podcast for two reasons. One, it doesn't make me cringe due to foul language or crude talk. Mm. Two, we share a laugh together. My sons are often laughing because of the funny content in the storyline, while I have a good giggle over your thick southern accent and nod to random American cultural icons. Thanks for the good work. Thanks so much! Thank you so much. We appreciate that even the moms being forced to listen by their their children <laughs> who love D&D, their D&D crazed sons, she said, I believe, can enjoy a good laugh with us. So, hey, thanks for the review. Can thanks we get for... t-shirts said that say, like, moms love us with the NBH logo? We should. You can. Uh, one more thing before we get into it, and we're going to jump right into things, and that's a, uh, a shout out for one of our good friends over at Patreon.com who have supported us. And if you support us on patreon.com slash makebelieveheroes, you will also get a shout-out live on the show. This week's shout-out goes to Christopher McCraw, also known as WildmanCM on the Discord. Oh yeah, boy. I know him. Thank you so much for supporting us, for being awesome. And now for that thing that you love. D&D! The rolling of the giant blue Oh, that one. Ooh. Oh, that's hard. Five. Nineteen. Seventeen. Oh, you got to re-roll it. You got to re-roll it. I'm not re-rolling it. 17-year-olds are not allowed. Oh, well, that's okay. It'll be all right. Let's talk about what happened last time on Make Believe Heroes. <laughs> last time, our adventurers set out alongside a group of new captains, seafaring captains. They met some of their new companions that would be joining them on this journey together. Some patron creations. Patron NPC creations. Hamlin Orangewood, the high elf wizard captain of the Fantasy, and his first mate, Amber Ivory, a rock gnome sorcerer who seems to be carrying around a bag of marbles. Wait, what? Uh, also, Captain Celias Brightree, captain of the Mean Geyer Heril from My Sea Lady. These two uh, patron creations, by the way, Hamlin Orangewood from our friend Chaz and Amber Ivory from our friend Sharea. And I forgot to mention a third figure, another figure, actually, a fourth, I guess, that they met. Larta, uh, a short figure wearing a skull head on his head. So cool. This is actually a patron creation from our friend Jack. Hey. Oh, cool. Thanks, Jack. From all the, all the way know. back in the uh, Adventures in Dwarf sitting. Awesome. Episode, oh, really? Cool. Yeah. We love you. Not sure about this Larta, but hey, he joined the Kareen, and you all head out on your trip toward the stash where Joseph's going to find the Pearl of Remembrance. The path went fine. Uh, Charlie uh, got well acquainted with Blaze. He pwned him in some wrestling. Uh, Joseph and and uh, Kellen were navigating their way along the shade, making himself comfortable inside the captain's quarters. And Brackle just whittling, you know, 
Whittling. Whittling. Meanwhile, Chris and Margaret are hard at work on the vessel that they need to create for some secret mission. And they're not exactly sure what it's for. Not 100% sure but where we're it's going. going. But they do know that it is a one-way trip, and anyone that goes in that ship will die. Who's dying? I know that. Whoever goes in that ship. What ship? I want to die. We'll die. Everyone dies. But at the witching hour, 3.33 around 3.33 p.m. Very important time in Monumi. Blaze spotted someone adrift in the sea. And then he, with Kellen, went down in a small vessel and retrieved a woman who was unconscious and seemed to be dehydrated and breathing, but only lightly. They did some healing that they could and then brought her back to the ship. We need help. Someone. Two dwarves come over to the edge. They are pulling the ship up with the the ropes through the, the rings, pulling the small boat up to top again and you see squibble and squabble they are helping uh raise the boat back up and and blaze you are holding this unconscious woman uh and they take her from your arms and pull her up into the ship she needs healing we were able to give her some but with much more she might wake up joseph you see the injured woman there Mm. i kick her in the teeth her teeth is broken oh my she she seems to be dehydrated, like a, like a lot of salt burns. Is Brackle over here? What's Brackle doing? Whittling. No, Alan. You cannot just whittle. Uh, he is examining her. You don't see any like bad wounds or anything like that on her. But like I said, she she seems her skin is very dry and chafed, and you can see like salt burns on her. She seems somehow sunburned and also pale. She is lightly breathing. Her lips are cracked and dried. Um, she looks dehydrated. I pour water on her. You want to give me a medicine check? <laughs> I'll try. That is a 22. Dang, boy. Oh, nice. That's 19 plus 3. Very good. Very good. She's definitely dehydrated. Mm. You are not unfamiliar with that. You're not fami- too familiar with, like, issues down by the sea, you know, and this is not a climate you're accustomed to. But you're no stranger to dehydration, and this woman is dehydrated. She may have other issues. You feel overhead. She seems feverish. She's just not well. There are no injuries that you can see on her body, uh, but she's not well. She needs water. She needs rest, and she may need some medicine. You don't know. I go and get the shade. Uh, you turn to get the shade, and he is standing right there. Hmm, I see you've picked up a new passenger. Yes. Would you like to help the passenger? Help in what way? It would seem to me that she needs some water of the fresh variety. We have some fresh water. Well, go and fetch us some, someone. Get this poor woman some water. Well? <laughs> Squibble, go get some water. <clears throat> he turns and goes, and he, he, he marches off. He comes back carrying a full barrel of water. There we are. Now dip her in it. Just soak her right in that. No, I'm just kidding. Who, goes, who gets some water for her? Squibble. Oh, Squibble. Squibble brings the water over. Who's who's administering it to her? But, uh, Brackle, you doing it since you gave her, you had the good medicine check? You can give her some water. Yeah, I'll give her some water. Yeah, you give her some water, and she does seem to swallow and drink it, and she she chokes a little bit, coughing, but but then she she just continues breathing lightly. And uh, what's Blaze doing? Blaze is paying close attention to everything they're doing. Um, what does she look like, like physically? Is she a, she's a female human? She looks human. Her hair is like I said. She she looks kind of filthy, like she's been trapped at sea for. It's not tell, it's not telling how long. She's very thin and bedraggled, like bone thin almost. Um, her hair is dark, but it, it's it's hard to tell if it's just like dark hair, or if it's you know just dirty. Yeah, she's got dried seaweed stuck to her legs, probably where she was at some point stuck down in the water or something. She doesn't look well. She doesn't look young, but not like an old woman either. Probably a middle aged woman. So she's human. She seems human. Yeah. Seemingly. She doesn't have pointy ears. She's not awake from the water? No. She's still breathing lightly and her eyes remain closed. Well, hmm. If she's not awake, we can't give her any food. Um, can I perform a medicine check to see if I can come up with anything? Well, Brackle already did one, um, and he rolled really well. Oh, okay. She's dehydrated. Uh, but you could do, give me an Arcana check. That's a 12. 
What is your Arcana bonus? A plus one? That's correct. It's actually a plus five. What? Because you are now proficient with Arcana. Yeah, boy. What? So that's a 16 then. So 16 is pretty good. You just, you know, you're just like checking around and feel, you know, you know, feeling overhead and, and trying to sense if there's anything wrong with her. And when you do, you, you do sense a faint touch of something arcane, oh. something unnatural. You don't know if maybe she's like held under some sort of magical sleep or if that is some sort of magical ability in this woman. You don't really know what it is, but you know there's something unnatural about her sickness. It's not just dehydration, although she is totally dehydrated. There's definitely something besides dehydration holding her back. Well, just throw her overboard. <laughs> Perhaps we should administer some healing, do what we can, give her water, and hopefully she will wake. If we continue to give her water and she is well enough and she can survive, she will eventually awaken. And then, perhaps we can find out what it is that brought her to such a state. I, uh, openly start praying to, uh, Lady of the Sea, grant my humble wish. I'm not sure what to do here. She seems to be held back by magic. There's no immediate answer. She is still and sleeping. She seems stable. She doesn't seem to be, like, fading. If anything, she seems almost imperceptibly breathing, you know, a, a little bit more restfully, if that makes sense. Well, if no one can sense if there's any kind of curse on her or anything like that, maybe we should put her somewhere comfortable. Friend Kellen, will you keep an eye on her while I have my meditations? I can do that. But also, I was wondering, can we make a perception check around us? To see if there's anything else going on out here? Yeah. Yeah, you can. I'm going to do that. Okay. Do that. Do that. Oh, that's horrible. What's my perception? Everything seems fine. You don't see anything strange going on. Oh, you see that? Yeah. Uh, three plus your perception, which is what? Garbage, probably. Yeah. Well, your perception's probably not bad. It's a plus eight, so I mean, it's 11. But you don't you don't see anything strange or out of the way. Uh, the rest of the sea seems calm. There's nothing stirring about. It's approaching 4 o'clock in the morning now-ish. I mean, you guys don't know exactly what time it is, but you know what I'm saying. It's it's still in the wee hours of the morning. I'll take care of her. I'll take care of her on my watch. Very good. Thank you, my friend. All right. You know, you kind of settle back in and get the ship going again, Joseph? Yes. Get the ship moving again. Squabble sends another... He sends a horn blast to the other ships to let you guys know you're going to be moving again. And you receive another message from Amber. Joseph, is everything Okay. Yes, there was a woman aboard that boat, and she is extremely dehydrated and perhaps affected by something magical and unconscious or asleep. Oh, no. Well, maybe in the morning I could hop over and take a look. Maybe. And she doesn't respond to that. The rest of you guys all go get your rest. Kellen, you're watching her. Is anybody else taking a watch at this time? I was about to go to bed, but before I do, I would like to find Lardhead. Larda is right there. He has been standing there, leaning against the uh, the wall outside the captain's quarters, watching everything that is going on. I point at him and use a message and say, You know magic. Can you tell if anything's going on? He walks over to where you are, and he looks down at her. He leans down, puts a hand on her forehead, and you see in the eyes of that skull on his head, they're not over his eyes, it's like up here, mm-hmm. but the eyes... You see like a faint like purplish glow come out of him and then he looks at you and shakes his head hmm. very well continue on with the plans so you all get your rest uh the, the watches go fine for the rest of the night you flow through the night and really not too long from now the sun crests and rises overhead as it does, uh, and you've all gotten your rest, you can click the long rest button. Everybody can take as much time as they need to get a full Yay. rest. And, Joseph, I'm going to need you to give me another uh, survival check, like I was before, a, a charisma-based one. Okay. That is an 11 total. Hmm. I got a 2 on the dice. Mm, that's not very good. It seems like you're heading in the right direction. You are all continuing on the path, sailing forward. Uh, smooth sailing so far. Margaret, you head out from the shop, and you are in the campus of the College of Magic, but you make your way over to the class where you know your class is set this evening. And what class is it that you're teaching this evening? 
Alchemy 101. Alchemy 101. So you've got to get to the Alchemy building where these classes are held. This is an entry-level course, but, you know, you're getting over there. And actually, you stayed a little bit longer than you should have, so you're in kind of a rush. You're making your way over there. It's one of those floating buildings, and so that also makes you a little bit more pinch for time. You get over there, and it is hovering some 20 or 30 feet up off of the ground, and there's a beautiful lawn beneath it. Some are lounging around and, and reading, doing different things. But there are these little flutter carts uh, that you can hop into and ride up without having to expend any magic. A little buzz cart. They're just like individual ones you get in. It's basically like a button you press. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it'll just hover you up there. And you go up and you enter into the alchemy building. There's a little like porch type thing that comes off that the cart steps over above it. And you step out onto it and you walk inside. You've got your books, your scrolls, and everything. You're going in. Uh, you're on the third floor. Actually, no, you don't go in the third floor. There's one of those porches on each floor. So you don't go in and go up the steps. That'd be silly. You fly up and go into third floor. So there you are. Okay. Uh, you go down and you see your class building over there. It's one of those kind of like stereotypical classroom buildings you've seen where it's almost like an amphitheater, but it's like small. Mm-hmm. So your your desk and everything is down at the bottom, but there are a few rows of seats coming up at a little bit of an angle, but not like a sharp angle. It's a little spread out. The room is bigger than, than it would seem to be from the size of the building which is good. You got one of the magically enhanced rooms. I got um, one of the new rooms this year. <laughs> that's right. Because in an alchemy course, there are sometimes uh, explodies. So it's good to have a little space. But you go in, there are a couple of students. You're about three weeks into the class, and there are a couple of students who are in there who are um, working on some projects, some personal projects and some projects for this class. And you don't really address any of them or anything, and they don't really say anything to you. A couple of them look up at you. Uh, one elven girl kind of waves as you walk in. She's got green hair, um, and she smiles big at you as you walk in and go to your, your desk and begin setting up. I wave and uh, smile back. Mm-hmm. All right, class. Are we ready to learn? <laughs> I know you love it when I say that. Yeah, there's some there's some audible groaning, um, and then as you're uh, you, you know like setting up and getting ready to start teaching, uh, you turn to face the class and you hear a little knock at the door. Come in. Uh, and stepping around the edge of the uh, the doorway there, which is open because you, you realize now you forgot to close it, uh, is a a man, a young man, appears to be human. Um, he he's average height human. He's got messy brown hair. Uh, he's wearing like royal blue wizard's robes. He's got a you see like a little cherry red wand sticking up from his hip pocket. Uh, his arms are loaded down with scrolls and books. Uh, he's got a bag hanging from his elbow. Uh, and he steps forward toward you, but he, he trips. And when he does, he doesn't fall away down. He catches himself, uh, but he drops like all of his papers and books. And they just go flying. Oh, dear. Oh, I'm, I'm so sorry. Um, it's my first day. I'm pretty nervous. Uh, I'm sorry. It's fine. It's fine. And I'll, I'll go over and... Try to help. Are, are you Professor Cavendish? I'm, I'm looking for a, um, he like digs around his pocket and he pulls out a little a little piece of paper and he unfolds it. Uh, Alchemy 101? Yes, that is this class. Oh, good. I'm sorry. I, I just uh, just arrived today. I'm, I'm, I'm a late ad. It's fine. It's fine. Just grab a seat anywhere. Um, okay. I, I, I just came in from, from Branchyard, actually. Uh, my name is uh, Guy Clark. <laughs> what? No way. No! I didn't... <laughs> I was sitting here like, Cherry Wong? Like, what the heck? Guy Clark? Yeah, yeah I've got my registration here. I'm sorry. He pulls out little, another little scroll. It's in this mess. He gets down and starts picking up scrolls. Here it is. Branshire, Alchemy 101. Mm, you have a very crazy schedule ahead of you. Well, I'm, I'm trying to play catch up. You know, I, I had a little bit of a tutor... Um, that helped me get started. Oh, yes. Um, Mostly evocation stuff, though. Oh. But um, should I just um, take a desk or... Mr. Clark, you, you sit anywhere you would like. And we are so glad to have you. Aren't we, class? Yeah. Yeah. Angelica. Yeah, we're, we're very excited for you to be here. Um, I'm sorry, what did you say your name was again? Um, uh, uh, Guy Clark? Welcome, Guy. Enrolled in wizard school. So, Mr. Clark, you have missed a couple weeks, but it's fine. We can do some catch-up after class sometime, and I will help you with that. This week, class, we are going to be learning more of the... I know we did Healing Word, and we practiced that. And we also tried the Gaseous Form. That that week was crazy, am I right? That was a crazy week. <laughs> you see God just, like, frantically scribbling notes down. And... 
I think we're gonna try to do more of the mouse acid arrow and try to do that. You hear a oh, like groan from across the class. We will also learn mass healing words so we don't have any problems <sighs> like we did last time. Okay. Um, there wouldn't be no ray of sickness problems like we did, remember? Tony, remember? Chris. Yes. You are waiting in the shop, workshop, where you guys have uh, been working. And uh, are you working on those spells you were left with? Uh, yeah, I'd probably start with Fabricate. Okay, start with Fabricate. What kind of a spell is Fabricate? Transmutation. Cool. Okay, so this one's going to take the full amount of gold and time. Yeah, it's a full eight hours and a full, I think, 200 gold because it's a fourth level. Okay, that is not cheap. Let me see here. I got like 2,700 gold or something. Yeah, I mean, I think you're pretty good on gold, but... Yeah. Um, I didn't know how long they taught for, like if it was a full eight-hour school day or what. It's not, but you can. we can say that you'll break it up over now when you've got some time later, when you've got some time throughout the day, you can get it done. You know, you'll find the time and get it all worked out. Uh, and, and if you need to even focus on it during the day, even when they come back, still mainly just be focused on that, you can. Uh, but go ahead and spend that 200 gold. Okay. So you spent your 200 gold. You, you were spending the afternoon working on that. And what exactly does that look like? Just a quick sort of description of how that looks. Um, so it's the same as when I learned the last spells. So I take the time to learn the actual way of mm -hmm. casting it. And then I take time on top of that to learn um, how to infuse that into one of the magic stones. Mm-hmm. So it's it probably just looks like Chris over there tinkering at the stones with his tools and stuff like that. Okay, so you're working on that for a while, and then after a few hours, uh, we'll say we'll say probably four hours or so, um, you hear the door open and Margaret comes walking back in. Whew, that was a great day of teaching. Did you have a productive class, Margaret? Meg, it, it was Megatron. You Chris, you can call me whatever I'm you sorry. want. I'm sorry. I should have got more rest last night. <sighs> Let me go get ready to work on some things. I, I need to change out of these robes and things. Um, so I'm going to go do that. Okay. You get changed out of your robes by the time, time Halifil comes back in. and You all have finally settled on your design. Um, and now you need to start actually fabricating this engine. But, but you're, you're also taking into account the things that um, Chris told you, the arcane shields that will defend you, but they will also withstand the high pressure of deep sea travel for long periods of time. You know, anyone could, any, not anyone, but the, the College of Magic and, and Wizards can already travel under the ocean through things like ships and things and bubbles, but never have they developed one that can travel as far and as deep as you guys need to for as long as you can without having to keep sustaining it with spells like maintaining those spells this new powered stone that you've received from chris from gearby specifically is enough to power this ship and hopefully give you guys just what you need and so you guys are building you are testing and you're doing different things um give me a couple of roles the two of you give me a couple of uh, uh the same roles you have before like the building roles the tinkering roles so your intelligence plus proficiency it's a plus seven for Meg and a plus nine for Chris. Do I need to make a roll like that, but for whittling? Uh, yeah, you can give me a dexterity check for whittling <laughs> with with proficiency for sure. Okay. So. Uh, I got a 22 on my whittling check. <laughs> Yours is not whittling. What was mine? Oh, plus? Dang. plus seven. So I got 11. Mm, 11's not very good. No, no. Meg is sleepy. What if I made 15. a 15. 15. Well, you're doing pretty good, Brackle. You're Whatever it is you're trying to make, you're getting closer. I just can't wait for y'all to see this. So, Chris... Meg is working on the engine because that's already where her expertise is specifically, this engine and the design too. But right now she's working on getting the engine to work and she's having a little bit of difficulty. You, on the other hand, have gotten your defensive shielding tests to work perfectly. What you guys are doing right now is you are, you are running conduits, magical conduits to the shielding, to the engine, um, and also to the sort of... Um, well, I'll say this. Right now, that's all you're doing. And you are eventually going to have to also run magical conduits into, like, the control mechanisms and the things like that that actually help you drive the machine. Because, like we said, you're going to have to make it to where you don't have to be a wizard to drive this machine. 
Uh, and what you're discovering is, as you are working on the shielding, everything's going perfectly. Meg, you are having a lot of trouble getting your engine to operate. <sighs> you see Meg kind of lean back in her chair or stool or whatever she's sitting on. Take her goggles off. Whew. This is getting on my nerves. I'm having a lot of trouble, Chris. Chris walks over. Uh... Do you, do you mind if I take a look? Go ahead. I I don't know if it's just my lack of sleep or rest. I am just not getting this. Give me another uh, intelligence-based check there, Chris. Nat 20. Hey! Wow. Bruh. It is immediately clear to you what the problem is. It's not a good problem. Oh, no. The runestone that you have brought can't handle the draw of the shields and the engine appropriately and it's not going to get the speed or the power that you want at this level and there's no way it will also be able to control all of the mechanisms and things that will be necessary for driving it at this at this level of power that it's requiring and the stone you brought is not going to cut it so i need a new stone you need a better stone and here's the problem with that chris well they're in rune rock and that is a problem but that's not that big a problem you can get there and back in 24 hours the problem is, to get anything stronger than what you have right here, you would have to have the approval of Baron Grable himself. Like, you could not do this. You have to, this has to be approved. Like, an approved thing from Rune Rock. You cannot just take it of your own volition and go. You have to go through the proper channels. And that is going to take a little bit of time. And you're also going to have to convince them to do that. Gotcha. So, as I'm, like, down looking at the thing, I'm just like, Meg, I, I'm sorry. Um... I did not think this one through. It's it's not you, it's me. I did not bring a big enough runestone. Well, you didn't know what we were going to get ourselves into, so it's it's not not your fault. Um hmm. What could we what should we do about this? So what I'll I'll do, um I have to go back to my home. I I have a couple connections have to talk with the leader of my town uh, and then I will bring a bigger runestone back to power this. And you think he will let you? Because you seem a little hesitant. They're not the easiest to convince um, when it comes to using technology for outsiders of the town. Right, right. But, mm. but I think I can pull enough strings uh, I've been with the guild for multiple years, so I think they trust me enough. Well, if I can be of any assistance, um, we could get some letters signed and some things showing that, you know, this is uh, something very needed, um, if that would help, if you think. But honestly, I think that you could get it for us. Um, and if you need to go do that, that's fine. And I can hold down the fort here. Okay, perfect. Um, it should only take me a day, a day and a half to get there, get that, and get back. All right. Um, me and the Lynx will handle business here. Ain't that right, Lynx? They're so happy to be here. So Chris is going to turn around. He's going to grab those two spell scrolls that uh, mm -hmm. Halifil yep. gave him. Other than that, most of his stuff he keeps with him, so he's just going to move as quickly as he can uh, and try to speed up this process. Uh, the door opens. Uh, Halifel steps through. Chris, are you going somewhere? Um, yeah, the runestone that I brought was not big enough, so uh -huh. I have to go attempt to get a bigger one. I see. Well, we'll be um, we'll be working as hard as we can so that um, we'll be ready for you when you return. Sounds great. I, I should be back before you know it. Safe travels. Thank you. And I'm going to head to the underground train drill thing. Yeah, you're heading east of Benhaven toward the mountains uh, where there is a cavern that leads down to a secret hall where you can summon a driller train. We just split the party again. When did we get off the boat? <laughs> Brackle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, the sun is now getting low. You all have been traveling throughout the day. You have had a host of orange juice and oranges fighting off that scurvy. 
you have gotten a good bit of whittling done. Uh, a gnomish girl comes walking up to you. Uh, you recognize her, of course. This is uh, Amber, uh, who is helping the fantasy. She is the first mate over there, Amber Ivory. Uh, she steps forward. Uh, what do you? What do you? What do you got there, Brackle? This, and then I blow some of the. Yeah. Off of it. Yeah. I was inspired when we got on the boat, and you see a bear totem. Oh wow. That's uh, that's really nice. What, what are you planning to do with it? Uh, I think I'll uh, offer it to Charlie. See if he likes it. I don't know where he's going to carry it. You know, maybe, maybe just leave it on the boat as a memorial for him. You know, it, I, I, don't, I never keep these things. Usually, when I'm whittling, I'm out in the woods. I see. Uh, on a long, long walk or long uh, vigil, and I just leave them where I'm at. Yeah, you know. Totems like that, they can be very zen. You know, they can very, be very like... What a, is zen? Calming. I, I have some, some, some things, and she reaches down and pulls the little satchel, and she pulls out some of the little marbles in there. The, the, these are my my, um, my marbles. Uh, they're, they're, they're stones that I find across the world, different places in my travels, and they help me they help me center my thoughts. Um, I was born, and I could do miraculous things, and no one really knows why, and sometimes it's hard to control. It can be a little wild. Uh, the stones help me. I get it. Stones help me help me focus that. You know, uh, like like this one. Uh, you know, they don't have any power. But like this little red one, like it, it helps me when I want to do something with fire. I can use a little red stone. It helps me focus on it and, and kind of, you know, it's just like like here. Let me show you. And she she uh, leans the bag forward. And when she does, she a little bump like in her, of a wave, and it knocks the whole satchel of her hand, and her marbles go spilling everywhere. I help her pick them up. No, 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 no. Okay, okay. Like, quickly, Marble's, like, rolling all over the place, and she is, like, as fast as she can trying to get them all up. Like, help me! Help, 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 help! Blaze is helping. I can't lose my... I cannot I cannot lose my marbles. Wow. I, uh, I cast Conjure Marvel Catcher. Okay, 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 okay. He mimics her. I need help. I need help. Um... Uh, oh, oh no! And she's like getting them up, but you see some of them are like rolling down to the other side of the ship and like rolling all over the place. A couple of people start bending down, trying to help, and different things. And and um, you see her like like reaching up and grabbing herself, like grabbing the helmet and holding it down, and, and, and it's like falling off. And she gets up. Uh, I, I, I help me. Um. Uh, uh, and all of a sudden, she changes. Oh no! Huh? Let's see. Let's roll a d10 here. This oh, is no. not good. Me or you? I'm roll a ten. So, question: You did say that that the sun's going down, right? It's like late in the day; it's in the evening. So I, I approach her, Alan, and, so, and I'm holding my hand out. Alan, the sun's getting low, big guy. Alan, I knew it. <laughs> it's funny because as you say that, she grows ten inches taller. Oh, oh no! She just what? she becomes four feet tall. She is now as tall as the dwarves, and she's looking around. Uh, what's happening? Is it what's what's wrong? What's going on? What happened? Tell me what happened. You have suddenly begun to grow. Oh no, we've got to find my marbles. We have got to find all of my marbles. How big you going to get? There's no telling. Is there room on this boat enough? He hands all the marbles that he has to her. Things okay. Uh, oh, thank you. People start suddenly noticing. Everyone's like running around. Charlie is, runs over. He's got like five marbles in his mouth. He spits them into her little satchel. Everybody's like doing everything they can to help her pick up the marbles. And before you know it, she's like counting through them. She's coming. She's like, there's just one missing. There's one missing. It's my favorite one. Uh, uh. I reach out and pull it from behind her ear. <laughs> do I see it? Like, is there? Is do I see it anywhere on the boat? You see her eyes start glowing, and these darts of magic appear around her. Eight of them. Oh no! And they start spinning in a circle, and she's like, "Oh no!" And the shade, like almost like appears out of thin air, places his hand on her shoulder, and then he says, "Calm down, my dear." He holds up a beautiful like radiant teal marble with his left hand, and with his other hand, he just kind of fans away the magic missiles that were spinning around her, preparing to fire off. Oh, wow. Good old Shay. Her eyes focus in on the marble, and she goes, and she takes it. Thank you. You are most welcome, my dear. So, those marbles, you say they're not magic? No, 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 no. They just, um, they help me keep my thoughts in order. Okay. 
you know. I, I think you have a lot of explaining to do. Anxiety and marbles. Seems very dangerous. I, uh, I, I already did. What I, were you transforming into? I, I don't really know. Some, my magic just sort of does its own thing sometimes, and the marbles they, they help me, they help me focus, you know. Okay. Well, do you have like a tighter bag? <laughs> I can help weave you one. Kellen, are you in the lookout? Yeah. So I understand the importance for uh, calming techniques. Uh, maybe not in the same way that it seems you do. However, I can I can maybe help and listen. Well, I uh, see this one, this one here, the 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 one that the shade uh, found for me here. I I found this one in a cavern beneath Dimmerhold. Um, it was glowing in the dark. I don't even know what it's made of. It has no magical properties that I can tell, but it's just, it's beautiful. And, and that was a good day. You know, each one of these marbles have a, have a good memory associated with them, and it, it helps me. It, it helps me focus, like I said. Kellen. Yes. Perception. Perception. Boop. Uh, it is a nine. Nine. On the dice. Which is a plus eight, so it's a seventeen. So it's pretty good. Yay! With a seventeen, Kellen, you spot ahead. The sun is getting low. It's kind of like the half sun shining across the sea. Up ahead of you, straight ahead, in the distance, not real close, but up ahead, you see a great mass of what appears to be fog, centered on a central point, probably some two or three miles wide. Captain. We have fog up ahead. You step up on the bow and look. Joseph? Yes. That's it. I'm running up to the bow as well. We're here. Where are we exactly, Joseph? Where is here? As he said. We are where we need to be. Which is? Is there a name for such a place as this? Strange that on a warm spring evening on the sea, where there's not a chill, not at this hour, and the sun's shining brightly still, that we would see such an unnatural fog. Mm. Amber steps up beside you. Is this the? Is this where we're heading? If it is, I should probably get back to the ship. Ah, yes. Perhaps you've heard of it. It's called the Darksome Key. I haven't heard of it, but uh, maybe, maybe, maybe Hamlin will. She takes off running, and she she like hops up like in a little skip, and then she just poof, poofs out of existence. Steps her way over. I rolled history to see what I would. You know, if I, if I could too, if I know something. Yeah, roll, roll me a history check. Go ahead. I got a 19 total. Okay, so no, you've never heard of this place. Sadness. Except, wait, maybe you have. I have? No, you, you've definitely not heard of this. Mm, wait a second, the Darksome Key. No, yeah, 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 you've heard of that. The Darksome Key. It's like a seafarer's graveyard. Joseph, are we at a seafarer's graveyard? Yes, we are. This is precisely where we were intending to go. Why didn't you tell us it was that? Because it also happens to be my secret base. Uh, you hear the clunk of a, of a peg leg stepping forward and Babel staying there beside you. Scarred up, long, dark, black beard. Hey, <laughs> tis a loathsome place. Loathsome? Well, for all but our captain here. I thought you guys loved it. For the seafarers, tis a loathsome place. Ah, yes. If you don't know the way in, he says, and he turns and looks at you, and one of his eyes blaze are pointing in, like, hard left. Like, his left <laughs> eye's like, hard left. I look hard left. If you don't know your way in, well, that fog's the last air you'll ever breathe. <laughs> it's not very pleasant breath. I take it you know how to go through here, Joseph? Well, if you don't know the way, you'll never make it out. You get a message, Joseph. Who is it? Captain Celias and Captain Hamlin have said, what should we do? Don't get close. Are we going to wait here while you go there? You're on my ship. The sun is setting ever lower, and as it does, and you all get closer and closer, the ships beside you, the fantasy and our sea lady both keep a little bit of a distance behind you not far close by still but you all slow as the sun is getting very low and soon it is dusk as you approach as far as a distance as you want to get in terms of proximity to the darksome key now joseph 
You also know this ship won't make it. You have to have a smaller vessel. We're going to have to take a smaller vessel. I think we need a smaller boat. Anybody got a boat in a box? Kellen Houston. I think we're gonna need a smaller boat. Bird. Right. Hey, let's go back to that ladies' boat. No, Blaze. Blaze has the like skiv or whatever you want to call it that they're lowering down the side. Yeah, there's a um, you know a smaller vessel for just like that little rowing vessel. There's actually more than one. There's a couple. But the question is, Blaze, who all will be accompanying you, Joseph? I mean, myself, of course. Well, I believe that if you are going, I should definitely be going as well. You feel a tug on your hip, and Larda is standing there looking at you. Hello, Larda. Joseph, he's pointing. Joseph's hip. Can I help you? <laughs> he just gives you a nod. How can I help you? Seems this little figure would like to join us. But I again must ask, who is going? Hmm. We can't take everyone from off the ship. Well, no. Blaze is standing in the boat. We'll take Blaze. Brackle. You have my bear totem. And he hops into the boat. Can I go? Kellen and Charlie can come. Yes! We're going to take the bear with us. Yes, we are. We'll certainly have to have two of these small vessels, won't we? Yes, we will. So myself and you, Joseph, and Blaze, Brackle, Kellen, yeah. and Charlie. Anyone else? Larda apparently is going. Larda is in one of the boats. Blaze is sitting right next to him saying, What is up with this skull on your head? We may need to lose that guy. You go to the other side to access the other boat, and it's gone. The crap. What? The boat is gone. Where'd it go? Where'd it go? You look down, and the, like, the little ropes that hold it up, they are severed roughly as if they were either sawn through with a very dull sort of toothed blade or sharp teeth. Where's the missing woman? <laughs> Check on the woman who's asleep. Bibble, where's the woman? Last I saw, she was lying on the cot, asleep. You get a message in your head. Um, Captain Joseph, Captain Hamlin wanted me to tell you, uh, and, and as she's talking, you get interrupted with a message from Captain Solias, and they're like talking over each other, and it's kind of hard to parse it in your head. Joseph, it would seem that the fog is moving toward us. Are we safe? Probably not. And you look out, and the fog is indeed moving across the water toward you. Oh. And at that moment, you hear a strange sound. It is like an eerie siren call of some creature from the depths ringing over the rolling waves. Hey. It's eerie and creepy to all of you. Charlie lets out a growl. Uh, Blaze growls in similar fashion. Uh, I don't, I don't think the fog is supposed to be doing that, right? The eerie call echoes again over the sea, and Joseph, you know exactly what that sound is. What's that sound? It's a sound you haven't heard in a long, long time, because as far as you knew, they were gone from here since the day you stood toe-to-toe with their queen. Oh, haven't heard that sound in a long time. Do you care to explain quickly before we all die? Hmm, I believe that is the mermaids. Oh. Merfolk. Here. Ah, Babel, go and fetch the whistle. I thought that was nothing but a legend. Hey, Captain. He turns and hobbles off quickly. No, no, no. Merfolk are quite real. I have had some dealings with them in the past. They're not biggest fans of me. But it has been a long time, you know, but sometimes those... It's hard to remember the details, but... Joseph, what do you know for the merfolk? Does the fog normally move towards me like that? No. Ah. Not since the last time the merfolk were here. Gotcha. Oh, uh, well, one time I... My former captain wanted to go to the place we're trying to go, and we had to find a way through because no one has ever made it through, and also it appears to have been cursed. But I don't think it was completely just a curse. A thunder strike rolls across the ocean. More so, it was these merfolk. And you hear those cries turn to shrieking calls. And I ripped that queen's vocal cords out, which you are about to see. Messages appear in your head speaking. Captain, what is going on? We are about to be surrounded. 
by Merfolk. You hear as dozens of thunks, 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 thunks pierce into the side of the ship. Running around, you can see Merfolk trying to claw their way up the side of the ship and peer over towards you all. Green, pale skinned, sharp, jagged teeth crying out with their shrieking sea cries. Where is Babel with that whistle? Captain, I found it here it is for you. You see the whistle, it looks like a normal golden whistle, but actually on the end of it you see attached to it are some vocal cords. That's disgusting. Strips of dried meat. (laughs) (laughs) Blaze has his hand on the sword hilt. I blow the vocal cord whistle. And when you do, the shrieking picks up again, but you hear the splashing of the merfolk all jumping back into the ocean to cover their ears. And as that happens, you see ahead of you as there, there is like a stream of in the ocean. Not a stream, but like a... You can see something like moving through the ocean ahead of you, like something large. Not huge, but bigger than a normal humanoid. And um, probably 30 feet up in front of you, in front of the, the bow of the ship, like as this thing swims through the fog, kind of like parts and splits and, and like widens up like a V. And at the tip of the V, rising up out of the water to about waist high, is someone you definitely recognize. Oh boy. Char! And she begins to speak. Oh, oh, oh snap. snap. Who dares? Who dares approach the docks? Wait a minute. You step up on the bow? Yes. You step up tall. I dare approach the docks of key. The Linnaeus Dark Storm. Yes. Shouldn't you be dead? (laughs) Not dead yet. Should have cut out her heart. Who is this, Joseph? Uh, That is the queen of the merfolk. Is she friendly? She doesn't look very friendly. Definitely not. You are trespassing on my domain again, Linnaeus. Hmm. I claimed it as my own, so no, it's my domain. Great. That hasn't changed. The seasons have moved against us. Dark things, great beasts of the deep have torn through our homes. They are making the seasons uninhabitable for us. Ah, yes, I have also had trouble on the seas because of these. whatever is happening. You have been gone a long time, Lenaeus. I have not been able to come back because of all the trouble. We have made this reef. Oh, again, for our people. You may not have it. Well, how about you let me back in without any trouble, and I'll let you stay. No. You will take your place. Lightning bolt. (laughs) (laughs) Shade sees your eyes light up, and he puts a hand on your shoulder. One moment. Lady Philia, queen of the merfolk. Aye. Surely we can come to some sort of agreement, can't we? And you see the shade, like, grow. Solid five feet taller. His shoulders kind of like stretch out and his arms lengthen and his fingers lengthen and he becomes almost like pure shadow with these long pointed claws. Oh, crap. Salad fingers. You hear her. (gasps) It is the Nightwalker. Oh. And you hear splashing from all around as the merfolk like everywhere start like diving in. Interesting. And the shade says... You will let us pass, won't you, Lady Philia? And you see her, like, shrink down in the water a little bit, and she lowers her head, and she has this great silver spear, and her hand goes up, and you see she's wearing, like, this silver, like, metal over her chest and up around her neck up to her chin, and she, like, raises a hand up to her neck, and she, you see her, like, caressing it a little bit. I will spin it the nest. Thank, Thank you, you very, very much. much. 
Shay turns around and he's just the shape. Okay. Okay. Well, that was easy enough, wasn't it? Yeah, sure. That was yeah, very easy. Oh, just an old parlor trick. Don't think anything of it. <laughs> okay. Do you think we can all fit in the one boat? Oh, wait, actually. And he, he goes over to side looks down. <laughs> it seems they've returned the other one. And it's just floating next to the boat down there. And you see like a merfolk like pushing it over and he looks up and his big eyes get even bigger and he just dives back into the water and swims away. Well, I think this will suffice, won't it? Now, Joseph, would you like to lead the way? Yes, I can lead the way. You get messages. Joseph, this is Captain Solias. Our ship was just accosted by a number of merfolk, but they seem to have abandoned us again. Are we all right? You should be good from this point forward. Until we have completed the task at hand. You hear the voice of Hamlin in your ear. Joseph! My goodness, that was... Did you somehow get the mermen to leave us alone? I offered them oranges, but they did not seem very keen on those. They, I had one or two asking for apples, but no oranges. We have taken care of the problem. So, what do we do now? You all shall stay here and watch over, help watch over our ship and make sure nothing crazy happens while we go to the shore. I wish very much to go with you anyway. I was not talking to you, sir. Oh, okay. So you all hop down into, you climb down and get into your ships. Who's in each boat? Kellen and Charlie on one side with uh, Blaze? Blaze, yes. Who is petting Charlie? Let's get it. And I'm pretty sure Larda was also in that boat, so we'll put him in there. He's small. That's correct. And the other side is Joseph, Brackle, and the Shade? Yes. Sure. All right. Is Amber coming? No, Amber's staying with uh, her. She got her marbles? She does right now. Okay. I'll, I tell the first mate, Pip and Skip, and the other crew members to watch mm. the guest lady on board. Yes, they're keeping a watch on her around the clock. So you all begin rowing toward the fog-covered island. And the fog has receded some. It's still farther out than just the island, but it has receded some. But, Joseph, you can see your pathway forward. In fact, it's, it, it parts for you to some extent until you reach what you know to be the treacherous depths of the coral reef. The reef that has claimed the lives of dozens, hundreds perhaps, of sailors that have tried to dare the depths of the Darksome Key. I've heard of this place. It is said that the thick mist which covers both day and night is cursed that even if some would try to travel and enter in with using magical means, that they would be returned maddened and lost at sea. Yes, that always happens. But how do you plan to get through, Joseph? I don't want to go mad just yet. Hold on a little longer. I thought you already were. Well, a little. What about you, Brackle? Am I mad? Yes. Of course. No, uh... <laughs> In this world, I don't think you can get by without a little bit of madness. I used to not think that were the case, but events of the last year or so have led me to question. Brackle, make me a wisdom saving throw. That is a ten. Total? Total. Seven plus three. You feel... stressed. Oh, just, just normal then. And a little uncomfortable. Also normal. And you recognize a similar feeling to how you felt when you were walking through the tunnels of the ziggurat. Oh, I feel like I'm in the cigarette. (laughs) I try blowing on the whistle again. Once you come up to the point where you know you need to be, you blow the whistle? Yes. You blow the whistle? Yes. And it rings across the water. Nothing happens. Kellen, have you experienced this place before working with the captain? No, I I haven't. I haven't been here before. Why are you working with someone like Joseph, by the way? Um, because he's like my best friend. Hello, I'm sitting right here. (laughs) Not you. You're like my brother. That's totally different. It isn't. Yeah, it is. 
Blaze starts speaking in bear to Charles. Mm-hmm. Good sir, have you ever experienced such fog? Not such as this, no. Can Kellen understand what we're saying? Yes. Yeah. Uh, I am quite frightened by this, if I can be totally honest with you. Never fear. You have your brother and me here. Larda just looks around at you guys like you're all idiots. Blaze refuses to speak to Kellen or Sir Charles in any form except for Bear from now until the end of the campaign. Oh my god. <laughs> I love Every how time. it's just canon that you smacked your head so hard that now you can just speak Bear. No, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> that's not the cool. smacking of the head was uh, was just a catalyst. The reason he can speak Bear is because he's Provalian's champion. Oh, okay. Okay, cool. And so but, intelligence but, and, and the ability, like, he just keeps unlocking new magical abilities without understanding how that they're happening. That's so wonderful. Joseph, you, you've blown the whistle, and for a moment, nothing is happening. But then, Brackle, uh, you and Joseph in the Shade notice as there's, like, a sort of bubbling of the water approaching you from the front. Blaze is going to stand up and draw an arrow on his longbow okay. and, and keep up. Blaze. Can I help you, Captain? Please keep your arms and legs in the vehicle at all times. I want to shoot it in the eye. Sit down. He sits down. Something comes rising up from beneath the sea in front of you. The fog spreads and coming up from the dark sea, first you see two enormous horns. Oh my goodness. Is this demon mommy? And then a dark blackish greenish fur and a big bull-faced nostril. It's Poseidon. It rises up out of the ground. It's bulging like rippling muscular neck and shoulders rise up and this great monstrous beaver minotaur merman mermitor mermitor minitartar mini minitartar mini rises up out from the water and it goes Aha. The Mermitar. <laughs> you have the key. Uh, I pull a key out. It's around my neck. Mm-hmm. And show it to him. Do not stray. We will follow your lead. He lets out like a bull roar. And then he sinks back down into the ocean, whereas just his horns are sticking up out of it, and he begins to lead the way. Follow the horns. You all follow him through. He is waiting enough for you to keep pace, but he is not going slow. And you all begin to navigate through the waters, and as you do, you see strange things in the fog. Shipwrecks and giant stones jutting up out from the rock and things that are hard to decipher, but it is the most treacherous path you've ever seen in the water. And if you were to stray just a few feet to the left or the right, it would certainly end in the destruction of the boat that you are riding in, even such a small one as this. You also hear strange cries in the dark and strange beasts and things in the water. But the Myrmitar continues forward, his horns glowing with a strange tealish light and leading the way. You go for what seems like an hour until finally he rises up again before you and steps aside holding a great bone trident in one hand. Oh, cool. I say steps. He swims to the side and holds an arm out for you to go past him. And you float up on to the white, sandy shore of the Darksome Key. Thank you, great Myrmitar. And he turns and swims back into the ocean. His large black fin clapping behind him. And that is where we're going to end this week's episode of Make Believe Heroes. Boy, that's not cool. Because we had a time, boys. All right, well, thank you for listening to Make Believe Heroes. That was cool. Hope you enjoyed this episode. Uh, this place is pretty weird. I was concerned about the mermaids. It's really weird. Yeah, I thought you might be. I mean, you could have maybe gotten to a fight with them. I was about to lightning bolt. If you hadn't gotten that whistle and blowed it when you did, that's probably what would have happened. You would have at least had to have fight a few of them before she showed up. We were going to die. For sure. So, thanks for listening. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this episode. You'll have to tune in next week to see what happens on the Darksome Key. And uh, let me just say, this place is uh, dangerous. 
and weird. Very. Is it darksome? It's darksome. We love you guys. Hope you enjoyed it. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Schmake Believe Heroes. Yeah. We love you. Bye. Bye. Farewell. Goodbye. Hi, I'm Zach, and I play Carl Weezer. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Carl? Some patron creations. And patron in Pichu. Patron NPC creation. <laughs> Patron NPC creation. <coughs> I'm dying right now. Brackle knows what's up. <coughs> Legis, Megas, I said like 15. So you're doing pretty good, Alan. You're or, or Brackle. You're doing pretty good, Brackle. You're who's leg? 